Welcome to Living Free Today, a ministry of Cornerstone Fellowship in San Lorenzo, California. These podcasts are the weekly sermons of Dr. Michael L. Wilson. Basically, it's what the book would say. 
And so in the, I think it was the 1950s, 40s, something like that, somebody got into the biblical information about how Joshua went across the Jordan and where he went across, and they said, hey, wait a minute. This Jericho that we're standing in, that is a bustling city, is not the Jericho of the Bible. Jericho of the Bible is, they didn't know then, but they said that way. They found out it was a mile and a half that way. That when Joshua destroyed Jericho, he actually put a curse on it. And he said, anybody who rebuilds it will be cursed by God. Anybody who lives in it will be cursed by God. And people who, the Jews, when they moved into the promised land and started to grow in their number, they knew this. But they wanted a city on this side of the Jordan, in this area. And so they built another city out in the middle of nowhere. And because it was the same area, they called it Jericho. So there are two Jerichos. There's the old Jericho, and there's the new Jericho. And if you're walking into one, you're walking away from the other. If you're walking into the other, you're walking away from the other. And so people in Jesus' day knew that there were two Jerichos, knew that there was a, a mound over there that had interesting rocks on it, but over here was a bustling modern city. And so, depending on Luke's and Matthew and Mark's vantage point, what their history of knowledge was, they would say, oh, they were going into Jericho. Well, Luke would say they're going away from Jericho. He meant the old one. And they did dig, and there's actually been books and TV shows about going down about 30 feet in the sand and finding these huge, huge plates of rock, these huge eight-foot-thick things that fell flat, and those are the walls of Jericho. It has been proven that the Battle of Jericho actually took place exactly like it is written in the Bible, because we have found it. It's just when they rebuilt Jericho, they built it a mile and a half that way, and that confused the archaeologists as usual. And so there are two Jerichos. Additionally, Matthew says that there were multiple blind people. Mark only talks about one. Mark talks about the one that his family knew. He talks about the one that was known by his readers. Matthew just says there was a group of them. He does not know them. He was a tax collector, not around Jericho. He wasn't in their social circles. He didn't know these people. Mark was more of a down-home sort of guy. He was young. He knew these people, so he put the names in there. And so there, Jesus goes to Jericho. What does he do in Jericho? He saves Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus lived in Jericho. You know the story of Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he? I went to lunch with a pastor the other day, and I was talking about that. I said, yeah, and he healed. I mean, he didn't heal. He saved Zacchaeus. And he said, yeah, because Zacchaeus was a wee little man. So, you know these, these are songs that we know from our youth. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, but that's not considered a miracle, but that's why he was in Jericho. 
He had to go there to save Zacchaeus. And so he's leaving Jericho, and there are people along the side of the road. Jericho is a bustling, modern city. And so there's no temple in Jerusalem. The beggars would be around the temple because they, you know, pluck people's heartstrings. But in Jericho, they just go along the side of the road. Now, Jesus is going to Jerusalem. He takes a detour. He comes down here, goes to Jericho. He's going to go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is about 15 miles away, but a difference in elevation of 3,500 feet. So when Jesus is going to go from Jericho to Jerusalem, because Jericho is 800 feet below sea level, he has to go up 15 miles straight up, basically, because it is an arduous journey. Jesus is taking a long way. And we'll talk about why he takes the long way. But it says in the passage in 46, and they came to Jericho, and he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, and a great crowd, a great crowd has started following him after he healed the man born blind. And the crowd grew after he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And so as Jesus is moving through the Jordan Valley in these little towns, the crowd is growing bigger and bigger and bigger. He does not have a big crowd when he makes it to Jerusalem. So the arduous journey, the difficult journey of climbing up the mountain, um, probably caused people to fall away. I'll follow Jesus as long as it isn't hard, they say. And so there is no great crowd when he makes it to Jerusalem. Instead, the crowd that is in Jerusalem gives him the triumphal entry. So around this time, he is saving Zacchaeus. The next major event is he's in Jerusalem, and it is the triumphal entry, where they basically declare him the Messiah before they crucify him. And so Jesus is walking down the road toward Jerusalem. And it says in Matthew that this blind person that we know as Bartimaeus asked the crowd, what's going on? What is this? Why is there a crowd here? And they say, it's Jesus of Nazareth. In the book of Mark, that already comes up. He already knows that. And so when he had heard, verse 47, 7, that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. Now, cry out is a word that basically means he screamed. He was screaming as loud as he could. He was shouting as loud as his lungs would allow him to do it. And you say, well, why? Well, one reason is there's a great crowd. There's a great crowd of hundreds, maybe thousands of people following Jesus, they're all murmuring and talking and laughing and doing whatever crowds do. It was a loud, chaotic scene. And so Bartimaeus had to be heard, is his rationale, we believe. And so he cries out in a loud, loud, loud voice, Jesus, Son of David, now, he had heard that this is Jesus of Nazareth. He had he learned something. He knew something. There had been some teaching that he had been a part of on who Jesus was. 
He didn't just say, hey, Jesus of Nazareth. He calls Jesus son of David. Now, when you hear the phrase son of David, and Jewish readers of this would know exactly what that means, that is an Old Testament phrase that means Messiah. It means an anointed person sent by God. Okay? Bartimaeus and most of the people in these Gospels at this time wouldn't call him God incarnate. At this point, that, that knowledge grows after Jesus is raised from the dead. But at this point, he is seen as Messiah. He's seen as the Christ. Christ means anointed by God. And so here's a person who has God power. Here's a person who God is shining on, that God is smiling on. And the belief back then was if God was smiling on you, it means that you were righteous in your behavior. There was no real sense of grace or anything like that. They were not saved by grace. They didn't believe. They were saved by works. And so for somebody to actually be anointed by God, to be chosen by God, they must be a righteous and righteous living person. We now know the depth of that and what it means in relationship to Christ. But back then, he is just saying, son of David. In other words, Messiah. In other words, person whose God is smiling on, who has God power, have mercy on me, which is another sense of a true thing that Bartimaeus is saying. Bartimaeus did not shout, give me justice. Bartimaeus did not shout, be fair. Bartimaeus did not shout any of the things we normally think about, about how to survive in our culture. We do not go to a store, or we do not go to a group and say, have mercy on me. Most people will go places and want justice or fairness. Fairness is big today. God is not fair. Fair is a human invention to bring about some level of equality. God is not fair. God is just and righteous. He is also a God of mercy. And so Bartimaeus knows his relationship with God. He knows he's a sinful person. We believe, because of what he said later, that he was born sighted, that he lived a portion of his life sighted, and then because of disease or injury or a sandstorm or something of this nature, he lost his sight and became blind. So he wants to have what he had before. And so he is asking for mercy, not that he deserves something, not for justice, he asked for mercy. And initially, the people say, ah, shut up, be quiet, don't bother the teacher, the in crowd, the people who have been following Jesus for the last 50 miles, believe that they are the ones who are supposed to get the goodies from Jesus, the, the treatment from Jesus, the blessings from Jesus, and this outsider that they just met on the side of the road, he is an interloper. He is somebody who wants to cut to the front of the line, perhaps. And so they tell him to be quiet because they're hearing Jesus teach. Jesus is teaching as he goes. 
It doesn't say what he is teaching, but everywhere Jesus walked, when he had a group of people, he was always teaching them. He was always speaking to them about the kingdom of God. Jesus was not a introvert in this way. He did not just walk silently and say, oh, look, lots of people following me. He actively participated with those who were following him. And people hear this person screaming at the top of his lungs, and they're interrupting the teacher, and so they say, be quiet. But he cried all the more, all the louder, is what that would mean. He does it louder than he did. So he's at the top of his lungs, son of David, have mercy on me. Now Jesus heard this. Jesus is omniscient, so he knew Bartimaeus was there. And so he stops. And he stops teaching, and he says, call him. So he tells the people that are around him there are probably a bunch, a hundred, dozens of people between him and Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is on the side of the road. The road is filled with this great crowd. So he tells the people around him, go get him. He doesn't tell Bartimaeus to come here because Bartimaeus is blind. And Bartimaeus wouldn't be able to get through the crowd we believe and find Jesus. I mean, Jesus is not going to stand there and say, warmer, warmer, colder, colder. He wants somebody to go get him to participate in his healing. And so people in the crowd go to Bartimaeus, the one they just told to be quiet, and says, take heart, lift your heart up, it says, because he has called you. And so what does Bartimaeus do? He jumps up. He throws off his cloak. He doesn't care. Jesus wants to talk to him. He's great. He's going to do it. And it doesn't say it, but we have to believe that the people who went and got him led him. Okay? He's blind, so they led him through the crowd, through the maze of people, and brought him to Jesus. And Jesus says... What do you want me to do? Now this is a faith question. We can look at this and go, duh, it's obvious. This person's blind, they're yelling at Jesus, he clearly wants to be sighted. But throughout the Gospels, Jesus wants people to say what they want. If Bartimaeus didn't have the faith to say, I want to be sighted, if he didn't have the faith to say that out loud, to make a public declaration of his request, if he was ashamed, if he was not believing, if he didn't have faith, he would say, oh, I don't know. Oh, do whatever you want. I don't care. But he had faith that Jesus could give him his sight. And so it is an act of faith. This is a faith question. It is an act of faith to say, I want to regain my sight. And it says in the ESV, let me recover my sight. And that word recover means put it back the way that it was. So I used to be sighted, is what he's saying. My sight was taken away. I want it back. Okay? And so that's why this is not marveled at as a man born blind. 
for example, the one that is a man born blind, the scripture is clear. It says that multiple times. That's a major miracle. Man born blind. This is a this is less in people's minds and people's eyes. It is less than he used to see. He doesn't see now, and he wants to see again. And he says, Rabbi, Rabbi is the word for teacher. He sees that Jesus was teaching. He probably heard Jesus teaching as he walked by. So he says, Rabbi, it's a way of respect for a teacher. And he says, let me recover my sight. Jesus says, go your way. Your faith has healed you. Okay? The faith of what? The faith that he was sitting down there. Remember, faith means putting legs to your belief. Uh, if I have faith, it means I heard something, it means I know something, and I do something about it. Bartimaeus had heard about Jesus. He believed what he heard about Jesus. How do we know? He's by the side of the road, and he's yelling. He's yelling at Jesus, have mercy on me. That is putting legs to his belief. When the people brought him to Jesus, and Jesus says, what do you want? He says, to recover my sight. That is putting action to his belief. He believed fully that Jesus Christ was anointed by God, had the power of God. We don't know how deep that goes. But he definitely knew that Jesus was God adjacent. He was with God. And so if he was going to be healed, it was going to be not a magic trick, not a faith thing, not sleight of hand, smoke of mirrors. It would be actual power of God giving his sight back. And so Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now it says in Matthew, he touched his eyes. Jesus doesn't have to touch his eyes. Jesus doesn't have to be in the same country to heal this person. He has healed people by distance. Jairus' daughter was a distance healer. He has uh, various people right there, various people far away. Jesus can heal. He, distance has no problem with that. Jesus has no problem with distance. And so he says, your faith has made you well, as many of the healings and throughout the New Testament, the word well is the Greek word zozo, S-O-Z-O. S-O-Z-O means made completely physically and spiritually whole. Paul talks about it in his letters when he's talking about people receiving Christ. They are made zozo. So we look at this and we say, because this word is used this particular way throughout the New Testament and never used to mean just a physical healing, that Jesus is declaring this person not only sighted, not only whatever the problem was that caused the blindness, that's fixed. 
He is completely and wholly well, physically, mentally, and spiritually. Jesus is declaring this person saved. Not only physically healed, but made well with God. Saved. Which means, you can go to heaven, and you get to heaven, you can look in the directory and look at Bartimaeus, and you can find him. And you can say, hey Bartimaeus, I read your story. And he goes, yeah, I get that a lot. And so, it is Jesus' way of saying, the physical healing is only part of the picture. If I had, if I had a broken arm, and I prayed for God to heal my broken arm, and God heals my broken arm, but I am still dead in my sins, I will go to hell with a healed arm. Okay? Jesus' goal, as it says in your newsletter, if you look at your newsletter, there is a statement of what's the point of our church, of any church. It is to seek and find those who are lost. And Jesus says that throughout the Gospels when he is teaching. He says his point of walking the earth was to seek and find those who are lost. That's why he told the, the parables of the lost coin and the lost sheep and the lost son. These are images and stories of Jesus coming and finding those who are lost. What does it mean to be lost? It means to be an unbeliever. I do not believe today if someone was lost, we would say they probably don't believe in God or believe in an amorphous, vague God and do whatever they want because God doesn't care sort of thing. They make up their view of God. Uh, Paul says that in the book of Galatians and in John and Revelation, talks about inventing God in our own minds, and a lot of that is going on today. God is specifically a one, we call him the one true and living God because he is the only one. And the Bible tells us what he likes and doesn't like, what he's going to do and what he's not going to do. And getting into the Word and figuring out and seeing who God is and following that one true and living God, you are no longer lost. You are, what Jesus would say, is found. Jesus comes to find the lost, and when he finds them, they're found. In our modern language, we will say, you're saved. If you read the Bible and you believe it, if you believe this story of Bartimaeus actually happened the way that it says, and Jesus is in fact the uh, messianic son of David, then you're saved, then you're in your family, you are in the family of God. And Bartimaeus, because of what he did, he responded when Jesus questioned his faith. Now Jesus didn't say, do you have faith? Jesus said, what do you want to do? Okay? What do you want me to do? And Bartimaeus said, recover my sight. And Jesus did it, and his sight is recovered. And it says, and immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. It is believed that Bartimaeus followed Jesus all the way to Jerusalem 
And he was probably one of those people waving the palm branches, saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He was a follower for life and a follower for all eternity. And so, what do we get from this? First, we get from this that Jesus can do anything. He can heal any illness. It doesn't matter where this person is. doesn't matter uh, Bartimaeus' lineage, although it tells us Bartimaeus' father. We do not know if Timaeus was saved. We can ask Bartimaeus when we get to heaven. The father here. And we can, you know, look at that. But he was... If you look at a map, and the back of your Bible, it may have a map of Jesus' travels through the northern country, around Tyre and Sidon, and then cutting around and coming way down here to Jericho, but his goal is Jerusalem. Jesus is going to Jerusalem to die for the sins of the world. He knows that. There's a timetable here. And Jesus goes way out here, way out of his way. Why did he go way out of his way? There's two stories in the Bible that tells us exactly why he went out of his way. He went to give sight back to Bartimaeus, and he went to save Zacchaeus. I'm not saying that Zacchaeus would not have been saved if Jesus didn't go to his house. But Zacchaeus, one guy, one evil, greedy, covetousness, tax collector, who had no relationship with God, had no relationship with the synagogue or the temple, or the Jewish people, God said, I'm going to your house today. And he saved him. And he got saved and he gave all the stuff back. And so when you look at Jesus going out of his way, Jesus today, Jesus always goes out of his way to find the lost. He is regularly doing amazing, interactive, micromanaging things to bring people to salvation. And so Jesus, with his large crowd, and as the crowd thins, but Bartimaeus stays with him, we can put one phrase on Jesus, and that is, he came to seek and find the lost, and to save them. Jesus came into a world of lost people, and he could have said, ah, you're lost, and condemned them all. A righteous God can condemn non-believers. That is in the book. That is the rule. A righteous God does not have to give you the time of day. A righteous God can sit there and wait for you to come to him, all righteous and holy. Jesus said, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to go, and I'm going to die for them to seek and find the lost. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, I praise you that you are one who seeks the lost, who finds the lost, and who saves the lost. But I pray that we would be willing to do that work too, that we would find those who are lost and bring them to you. Lord, I praise you for this, and as your blessing on the remainder of the day, we ask us to be blood of Christ. Amen.
Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 180 Llewellyn Boulevard, San Lorenzo, California. Our Sunday morning service is at 1045 a.m. Our website is livingfreetoday.org and our phone number is 510-278-2622. May God continue to bless you as you serve your King. God bless.